and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, Episode 8, Shadow. Do you feel like there's a shadow over your life now that you've watched this episode? So much. (laughs) So much. This episode was such a downer for me. Thank God for Drag, for the minion that we meet in this episode. Because without him, I would just be like stone-faced watching this episode. What did you think? I enjoyed the episode more than you did, I think. I I think I derived more humor from mostly the dramatic irony in the episode. However, I have to agree that as far as episodes go, it's not great. (laughs) I mean, I I think the giant, terrible CGI snake is (laughs) really the bellwether for the episode. It's like the moment that thing shows up, you're like, okay, okay, it's not going to get better, is it? (laughs) disagree that was another highlight of the episode <laughs> this snake just just like a round funny we, tail we got a name we got a name for our villain yes that right? was exciting yeah looks like she's shaping up to be the big bad of the season so that's it's super cool that we we can stop calling her the woman and just oh, yeah. it, i mean it only took her a few episodes unlike joyce who was buffy's mom <laughs> for a whole season yeah one of the downsides of doing a rewatch spoiler free podcast or recap or review is that it just gets really tiring being like the woman the woman in leather the powerful one (laughs) we should probably just get this out of the way at the start of the episode so we don't disappoint our fans at the end uh this will be the last episode the last regular recap episode for a few weeks because prophecy girls are going to take a little holiday over the new year um so we're gonna take a couple of weeks off we do have some bonus episodes coming your way. Uh, we're not going to say any more than that. They're going to be nice holiday surprises. And we will be back mid-January. Uh, we will resume our regular weekly schedule at that point. Never fear. <laughs> and you might also get a little treat on social media for any of you who follow us on Instagram or Twitter because Kara and I are going to see each other in person for the first time ever. <laughs> not ever. Well, feels like ever. What, 14, 14 years? years. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my um, God. But yeah, no, that'll be exciting. And yeah, we'll be on social media. We'll be on our Discord. Uh, we got some fun kind of events happening in the works. We don't, again, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to overpromise, but keep an eye on things. And for those of you who are Buy Me a Coffee supporters, keep an eye on your emails and you might hear of wonderful things afoot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into the episode, this happy, carefree episode. We start at the hospital. Womp, womp. (laughs) Joyce is getting her CAT scan, and she's looking pretty concerned as as she goes into the machine. 
Uh, in the waiting room, Dawn is nervously playing with a bracelet. Buffy brings her a cola. Dawn asks, like, what is a CAT scan? And why did they call it a CAT scan? And do they test it on cats? And or does the machine sort of look like a cat? Like just asking, you know, nothing questions, just feeling in the silence. And, you know, people do that when they're nervous or as a way to just make themselves feel better, perhaps. And Buffy at first looks annoyed by these questions, but I think she recognizes that. So Buffy lets Dawn rest her her head on her shoulder and they cuddle for a little bit in the waiting room. It's really, really, it's touching and sad and everything's sad. So we go to the magic shop and Tara is with Giles and he has a new phone book ad. And I was like, Cara, remember the phone book? (laughs) Do I need to explain what a phone book is? You did already in season one. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I didn't even remember that. Okay, uh, I do remember phone books. Yes, I have. I have one over there. No um, way. It's all curvy from being stored on its side because I ha- don't think I've taken it off the shelf since I got it, like last year or whatever. But it's very thin these days because most people don't have phone numbers or at least not landlines, right? So it's mostly yellow pages now. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it must be out of advertisements just like Giles has here. Because, like, I personally wouldn't want my address to just be out there anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I should I should check if the magic box is in my <laughs> phone book. Because you think if it's the magic box, right? Like, did he use magic to put his ad in every phone book? Perhaps. I mean... Because this is the thing, is how long has Giles had the magic box? So there's, like, turnaround time, right? He's got to commission the ad, send it into this ad agency... And then has to be printed, but usually the phone book's only printed like once a year, right? So the timing was just this sweet spot of, you know, he bought the magic box and put the ad in the telephone book just in time for it to be printed. Here's what I think, and it's quite dark. I think Mr. Bogarty got that work started, <laughs> and Giles is just living off He's Bogarty's work. Credit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. That makes a lot of sense. It's either that or magic. Yeah, and that's why it's like your one-stop spot to shop for all your occult needs. That's the tagline. And uh, Giles is trying to convince himself that it's good <laughs> because he didn't come up with it. Bogart did. Uh, and Tara says, oh, it's catchy, you know, in a hard-to-read sort of way, but it's great. And Anya, Xander, and Willow come in, and Willow and Xander are talking about Riley. And this is how we know that last night was Fool for Love. And Willow and Xander are saying Riley went and destroyed all those vampires without his co-destroyers. Like, that's so rude. Am I right? And Giles says, I'm almost certain you're not. But to be fair, I wasn't listening. (laughs) Burn. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. So Willow admires the new phone book ad as well. Anya's like, am I mentioned in it? (laughs) No, Bulgarty didn't know who you were, Anya. Xander explains that the tomb went boom, is what Willow first says. And Xander says, Captain America blew it up on his own. And Giles is like, yeah, I guess that's reckless. But like, you should be pleased because you got to avoid the confrontation. Giles is like, I have better things to be doing right now. (laughs) Like coming up with a new ad for next year's phone book. Um, Anya agrees. She says, I don't know. Like, I don't want to start my day with the slaughter. And then she thinks about it. She's like, which really just goes to show how much I've grown. (laughs) So true. Giles says Tara and him could use the help in research chain. They're still looking up this mysterious woman. And Xander says, okay, well, looking up something you never saw and don't know the name of, like it's fruitless. And Anya says, I just flip the pages and try to look busy. And then Xander says that uh, she's probably lurking, you know, around some sewer or condemned church or rat infested warehouse, the usual haunts. 
And this is when we we cut to a very luxurious apartment or condo, right? Like nice furniture. It's huge. It's near Xander's apartment, I think we've determined. We determined it's like, yeah, down the street from it. It's probably not the same <laughs> building itself, but it's definitely really uh, decadent. Maybe she has the penthouse in that building. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but this is where we get to meet the scabby demon. <laughs> And he's saying, so So this woman is on the bed, surrounded by boxes from her recent shopping trip, possibly to April Fool's right after Harmony murdered <laughs> that other <laughs> sales clerk a few episodes ago. And her her minion, her scabby demon is saying, most beauteous and supremely magnificent one, this dark spell held in my worthless scabby hand is our gift to you, most tingly and wondrous glorificus. And the woman says, please call me Glory. So her name is Glory. We finally get it. It's Glorificus, Glory for short. I'm so happy that we know it. As we said earlier, it's just way easier to call her by her name. But also, I'm just so happy that we get her minion. Because <laughs> it's just lines are so funny. I mean, minions traditionally have been some of the best parts of the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I do love like an evil henchman, like just in my you know Disney rewatch journey on my, <laughs> my other passion projects. Um, always, always love a good henchman and minion. So Glory says, get up. Looking down on you hurts my neck. And he's like, forgive me, shiny special one. <laughs> I bet of you, um, um, I beg of you to rip out my inadequate tongue. And um, he walks up toward her with his tongue out and she just grabs the paper that is in his hand instead. And he says, you should know your elaborate marvelousness. This dark incantation has been lost for eons. And Glory, who's trying on shoes, she's not listening to him. She just says, does this pump make my ankle look bony? And <laughs> the demon's like, no, no, you're a terrifically smooth one. It's the epiphany of ankles to touch such an angel would, but I'm not touching. I'm backing away. <laughs> Good. I, I'm glad that this henchman understands uh, the need for consent. <laughs> so hard. I love him so much. So Glory kicks her shoe off and it hits him in the head. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> And this reminds me, you know, in like Mean Girls, remember when they're like, Regina George punched me in the face. It was awesome. I mean, you're right. Glory is like the post high school version of Regina George if she had it been reformed. <laughs> so funny. I mean, if this is also like, if we wanted to maybe make a comment about Joss Whedon at this point and how mm, don't ruin some drag for me. <laughs> straight men like being stepped on. Yes, all right. Women. Yes, obviously that is what this is showing us. <laughs> no doubt in my mind. These are such, as we said um, a few episodes ago when we first met Glory, uh, you had commented on how Glory's uh, dialogue is so Joss Whedon. Well, this demon's dialogue is also one hundred percent Joss Whedon. Just the way, like you're you're terrific, my terrifically smooth one, <laughs> and like your, your elaborate marvelousness. Like this is the, these are words that he would use. I can definitely see him having said this to some mistress of his at one point. You know, <laughs> um, so. Uh, but it's it's funny. It's very it's, funny writing. To to be clear, we're not kink shaming anybody who enjoys this kind of role play you do you uh specifically we are only shaming joss Whedon. yes and i think it's just if you do do this role play can you you know you don't have to it's not a hot steak i just want kind of want to know like do you use this do you call them my creamy coolness <laughs> like these are funny words um she's a drag is it 
And he says, yes, Dreg, your creamy coolness has honored me by speaking my name. Your voice is like a thousand sweet songbirds. And she's like, yeah, like I never tire of hearing that. Look, so we're clear. The spell's going to work, right? Nothing worse than a gift that doesn't work. Then I'll go, have to get all mad and kill you. And he's like, it'll work your extremeness, provided you have the right items you need. And Glory says, don't worry, I'll have them all right. And she looks at the phone book and she rips out the page with the magic box on it. And she says, I'll have it all. Cut to credits. Oh, dear. Um, so these days, of course, she would just order them off Amazon, right? Yes, of course. Yes. I think it's very convenient that, you know, she, she knew to look in the phone book. And we don't really know, like, how does Glory know how humans work? Because it's implied she's from another dimension, right? Um, and she doesn't really like it here, but she seems to have a pretty good handle. So how long has she been here? And how is she so good at being, at least pretending to be human? Um, clearly, she knows how phone books work. Like, it's it's just interesting to me that she's been around for a couple of episodes and, and she's clearly a threat, but we actually know very little about who she is. Yeah. And I think even the introduction of like one minion that's doing her bidding for her and literally worshiping yeah, Where did her. the minion come from? Yeah, yeah. And he's worshiping her, right? And I think that says a lot about where is she from and what level of importance does she have wherever she comes from, right? So uh, we cut to the Summer's house. Riley is entering, but the door is already open. So he goes and he calls for Buffy, no answer, but he hears clattering upstairs. So he follows the noise. <sighs> and in Buffy's room, there's Spike sniffing her shirt. Fucking gross. And Riley says, what are you doing here? And Spike's like, well, what are you doing here? And Riley says, looking for the girl who's going to rip your arms off when she realizes you're in her bedroom. And Spike's like, yeah, me too. And Riley says, were you just smelling her sweater? And Spike's like, no. Well, 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 yeah, yeah, I did. It's a predator thing. Nothing wrong with it. Know your enemy scent, whet your appetite for a hunt. And then he smells it again. He's like, lots of stuff, Slayer Musk. It's bitter and aggravating. Uh, sorry, I'm throwing up now. So Riley grabs a sweater and he's like, out. And he, he pulls Spike violently out of the room, but not before. Spike grabs Buffy's underwear out of her drawer and pockets it. Uh, 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 okay. How do we even talk about this? I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it all fucking night. We went so hard on Xander in episode five of season one for looking at Buffy while she changed. This is worse. This is grosser because <laughs> he's taking her underwear to do God knows what. We assume because he was already sniffing her clothes. He's bringing it home to sniff it. Oh, I think he's doing way more than that. It's perverted behavior right and just because you're a demon just because you're a vampire doesn't automatically make you a pervert this is strictly spike's thing and it's fucking gross it violates so many boundaries right like like i don't this is why i'm like do we have to like how do we talk about this like this is one of these things where i just i feel like everybody should just understand without us having to explain right that this is bad um don't do this like violation of boundaries um i don't know <laughs> well i mean like what else you're right like what else can we really say if buffy consented to him taking her underwear or her clothes to smell that's one thing that's their thing whatever no right. judgment but he is sneaking into her house during the day when she's at the hospital because her mother was sent there after watching her cry the night before he's like oh here's my opportunity to go here 
and be creepy and smell her shit. You know, like it's 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 gross. Well, and and Riley doesn't tell Buffy. I wonder if he didn't want to upset her further. Like, can, I think I wish he had because then she would have just marched down there and killed him right away. I mean, I feel like he should have. I I get what you're saying about him not wanting to not wanting to upset her. That's a very sympathetic reading towards Riley, and I I, I could see that. But at the same time, it's like if you saw your girlfriend's mortal enemy sniffing her clothes and then stealing her underwear and maybe riley didn't see that part but he was in buffy's bedroom would you not tell your girlfriend i don't know i don't know riley i feel like you're dropping the ball here but what else is new what else is new and here i will also say riley oh like he was really hard for me to read in this episode and i think i said back when we watched family how spike was really like confounding me because it's like i really Ooh, like I, I really don't like this, but then he has sympathy on that side. I felt the same way about Riley in this episode. So, like, yeah, that would be my generous reading to be like, well, he probably just doesn't want to upset her. I, I have, I have sympathy for Riley and what he's going through. Kind of like what we talked about last episode, where it's like, I don't think he's communicating well. I do have a thought about that, which I think I'll save for a future scene. But I have a thought about my, my reading of Riley. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm flip floppy on my feelings on Riley. I don't like it either. So Spike just stole the panties. What happens next, Steph? So Riley drags Spike toward the front door and Spike says, I know for a bleeding fact, the Slayer wouldn't mind me being here. And Riley says, oh, what's a little sweater sniffing between sworn enemies? <laughs> Good one, Riley. Um, Spike says, your girl in a habit of buying her enemy drinks because she spent the better part of last night with me doing just that. And Riley's like, oh, because you guys are such tight pals. That's good. Tell me another. And Spike says, twice in recent memory, she had the lover wiccas do a de-invite on the house to keep out specific vamps. Ever ask yourself why she hasn't taken my name off the guest list? And Riley says, because you're harmless. But he says it very, like, hesitantly, like, because you're harmless. It's a valid question. I'd have been like, because you can't be bothered. <laughs> and also, like, just... Just remember, Spike has also been stalking Buffy outside her house, smoking cigarettes and watching her through the windows. So now he's broken another boundary and gone inside, right? Into her bedroom. It's creepy. Spike says, takes one to know one, I suppose. I still got the attitude. What you got? Piercing glance. Face it, white bread. (laughs) Buffy's got a type and you're not it. She likes us dangerous, rough, occasionally bumpy in the forehead region. Not that she doesn't like you, but sorry, Charlie, you're just not dark enough. And uh uh-oh, Kara, Riley's masculinity has been questioned here, right? He doesn't like that. Call the presses. (laughs) So Riley grabs Spike and like basically throws him outside into the sun. He's like, dark enough for you now? And Spike's freaking out. He's like, I'm starting to sizzle. (laughs) Riley says, "You you don't know anything about Buffy. You never did. I'm the one who knows what she needs. And Spike says, yeah, that's why you're with her at the hospital right now. So Riley pulls him back inside and he says, what are you talking about? And Spike says her mom's sickly. Buffy took her to the hospital and the the bite-sized one went too, as in Dawn. It's funny her not calling you about that. I've known since last night. Well, Spike, you're conveniently leaving out that last night, yes, she went out with you, but she also told you that you were beneath her and brought up hundreds of years of your own insecurity. (laughs) So Yeah, this is an interesting scene because Spike and Ruffy... Ruffy. (laughs) Spike and Riley are... Two sides of the toxic masculinity coin, right? Like, they're both toxic in their own way. Um, they're both going through kind of a, an identity crisis related to Buffy, related to the Slayer. 
and, and so I, I guess this is probably why Riley doesn't tell Buffy, right? Is because he he's a little bit upset with her for not mentioning the whole yeah I hung out with Spike kind of thing. Although when would when was the last time? He saw her, like... Well, that was literally, like, a couple hours ago. This is really early in the morning. He was busy blowing up vampires <laughs> when he could have been spending time with her. It's true. I'm Well, no, because remember, she almost got hurt, so she had to go do research with Giles. So he probably thought she was with Giles all night. Turns out she was with Spike. Riley throws him outside after that, kicks the blanket out to him, and he's clearly pissed. Could have just staked him at this point. <laughs> could have staked him and said nothing. <laughs> Right? Just uh, <laughs> Bobby comes over and Riley's just casually dusting, like sweeping up some dust in the dust bed. He's like, it was just dusty in here. You never cleaned up that red sand from your <laughs> your spell the other day. So Bobby's like, huh, weird. You know, like what's Spike's leather coat doing here? It's like, I don't know how that got there. Fucking beats me. Or he could have been like, Spike was in your room sniffing your fucking panties, so I staked him. You're welcome. Like that, she could, he couldn't have said that. No, she would get upset with him. <laughs> just because. Just because. Just because. Yeah. So both of you guys in this scene, like Spike, you're a fucking pervert, and Riley, your insecurity levels are skyrocketing right now. So Riley goes to find Buffy. She is, of course, back at the hospital, still waiting, pacing outside the exam room door. Riley says, "Oh, I heard." <laughs> From whom, Riley? From whom did you hear? <laughs> um, you know, and he's like, oh, I thought you'd need. And Buffy just gives him a hug. And she's like, I do. I'm glad. I didn't. Until we knew what it was. Uh, and Riley says that he understands. And he asks how Joyce is doing. Uh, and Buffy's trying to kind of work up the nerve to go in and find out. And she asks Riley to sit with Don while she talks to her mom. So Riley agrees and Buffy goes in to the exam room. I want to say here, and this is what I mean by my flip-flopping perception of Riley in this episode. Here, he his actions are all correct. And a lot of his actions are correct throughout the episode in front of Buffy. You know, like not obviously on the side. But as we said, he was obviously miffed that Buffy didn't tell him she's at the hospital, didn't tell him about hanging out with Spike the night before, um, and that he's out of the loop where Spike, like a sworn enemy, happens to be in the know. Uh, That's annoying him, right? He's annoyed by this. He's kind of pissed at Buffy, but he's not taking it out on her here. He's not coming here and harping on her. Like, why didn't you tell me you were here? And like, he's just coming in to be supportive and being what she needs in the moment. And yes, I'll look after Dawn. Here, I'm here to hug you. You know, and I and I, I do want to acknowledge here that he could have made a stink and made this about him in front of her, but he's not. He's just there to support. So we go to the inside of the examination room where we've got Joyce and a doctor looking at her scans. And the doctor says that he's going to go check on the status of the OR. Mm, okay, that's not good. Joyce says, Dr. Isaac says that she's lucky that there's an operating room available on such short notice. Um, And then she tells Buffy that they found a shadow. So there's the name of the episode. It's a shadow on the scan of her brain. Um, So they have to do a biopsy now where they will actually cut, like, well, probably stick a needle and take a little tissue sample uh, to find out what is going on with the shadow. What is it? Buffy hugs Joyce and Joyce says, oh, it's too early to be concerned. (laughs) I'm not sure I agree, Joyce. <laughs> it's the right time to be concerned. I, I would be yeah. concerned at this point. This is a good time to be concerned. Buffy says, right. No concern. Joyce says, just a shadow. And they smile at each other, you know, both <sighs> willfully denying it because admitting 
concern would be distressing at this point. And I get it. I'm not criticizing them here. I'm just kind of like, the time for concern is now. Ugh, it's so sad. The Scoobies are researching in the magic shop as a custom, as the customer shop around them. And it's Tara who says, maybe she's not in the books. Maybe she's not a demon or a sorceress or a spirit or whatever these books cover. What if she's something else altogether? And Giles is like, something new, you mean? And Tara says, something old. So old it predates the written word. I really like that Tara is part of the Scoobies in doing research in this episode. And I guess it follows from what happened in Family. Because earlier I was complaining. I'm like, why are we getting so much of Anya in Scooby time and not Tara? And it's not because I don't like Anya. It's just like, you know, I feel like all of these significant others deserve equal Scooby representation. So I'm getting it now. I'm happy. <laughs> well, speaking of Scooby representation, something I was thinking about when I was watching this episode was where the fuck is Willow's storyline this season? She has not been getting anything. Xander had a little moment at the beginning of the season. Tara's had an episode. Anya has a new job and a whole new life now. Giles and Buffy are getting their shit together. Dawn's a key. Uh, Riley's going through something. Nothing for Willow. Literally nothing. Maybe next episode. I mean, this this is kind of what was happening in, um, was it the start of season three? Season two? I feel like there, I feel, I can, I don't remember. Listeners who listen to our podcast more than we do, I feel <laughs> like I said at some point that I was like, where's the Willow episode? So I'm with you on this stuff. Yeah. It's just, I just noticed it. I was like, so I guess Willow's only thing this season is that she's still gay. <laughs> like, what? okay. Um, anyway, so uh, Willow says, Giles, the Dagon Sphere, you said it was created to repel. And Giles says, that which cannot be named. And Tara says, maybe she predates language itself. So Giles says, if Tara's right, then we're blind. There's no way we can determine her moves, her habits, where she'll turn up next. And Giles turns around and Glory is standing right behind him. It's awesome. And she holds up two items and she's like, I want these. And Giles helps her. He's like, she find everything all right? She's like, no problemo. So Giles writes down the purchase in his ledger, hands her receipt, gives her the package. She smiles and leaves. And while she leaves, like, I just want to admire her outfit, her whole look. It's so, like, of the time with the like, leather with her hair and a little ponytail with her headband. It's cute. Yeah, it's very early 2000s. And yeah. as is her attitude, right? She's just kind of, like, super confident. Like valley uh, girl. Just- yeah, he's probably reading her as somewhat vacuous. This is what I love when I was saying earlier about the dramatic irony, right? She just walks right in. They don't recognize her. They don't know what they've done. But also, like, how interesting is it that Glory just is shopping? She's paying for these items. She yeah. has all of this power. She could go steal these items. But no, she's participating, you know, in capitalism as Anya said and i think that's interesting and i wonder is it because she likes shopping is this like because we, we see her with all these purchases earlier she's clearly bought a lot of clothes and probably isn't going to wear half of them so maybe like this is just one stop on like a very long shopping trip for the day yeah it probably gives her status and makes her feel good to just buy whatever she wants unlimited funds right I love this too because when she leaves, Giles is like, he just continues talking to the Scoobies. He's like, she could be anywhere. But I imagine if she's as powerful as Buffy says, uh, it won't be long before she makes herself known. (laughs) So cut to the hospital. Dawn is sleeping in a chair and Riley like puts his jacket on her. It's very caring. It's like another reason. I'm like, Riley, like you are a good guy. You are. You're just incredibly confused right now. Buffy's watching this happen and 
Riley comes and sits with her and she like leans into him. And then the doctor comes and Buffy like tells Riley to stay put and goes to talk to the doctor alone. She's like, tell me the results. And the doctor says, your mother has low grade glioma. It's a brain tumor. And he starts to explain this. But as soon as Buffy hears the word tumor, like the information that he's giving her, the explanation, like he's talking but as the audience inside Buffy's head, we hear it blurred. It's It's been muted in a way, allowing Buffy to process what she just heard. This is the fastest turnaround time I've ever seen for a biopsy like this. <laughs> so they got her, they got Joyce into the OR, they biopsied her, sent the biopsy to the lab. Got like how many hours have gone by at this point? Well, Between like, when Buffy saw Joyce and now like... I, again, timing in the show with us because later Buffy says, Riley, take Dawn to school. What the fuck time is it? Like, we're, like the CAT scan happened and now she just got her brain surgery and it's like 8 a.m. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. But like, let's, ooh, like Sarah Michelle Gellar in this scene is so effective. Yeah, you're, you're right. I'm focusing on the wrong things. <laughs> God this damn is it, a sad Tara. Scene. So I think Sarah is doing such a good job in conveying a very realistic portrayal of somebody taking in bad news Uh, because the shocking, overwhelming, life-changing news like this, it does feel like tunnel vision. It feels like everything goes numb and your brain kind of shuts down. So like this guy's talking to her, she's, she's hearing him, but she's not listening. All her senses are focused on her emotions. She's not taking in what he's saying to the point where she can like ask coherent questions. She's kind of just like, what? Like, what? And I think that's so realistic, not only for, for bad experiences and bad news, but good news too. So I think she's selling it really, really well. Yeah. The doctor says, I know this is difficult uh, because of the, the nature of your mother's illness. Unfortunately, things will progress very quickly. Symptoms such as loss of vision, appetite, loss of muscle control, mood swings. Buffy asks what they can do about it. And the doctor says, until we determine if the tumor is operable, they can't do anything. And Buffy asks what she can do to help. And he's like, well, there's literature you could learn. But if they can't do surgery on her, there are a number of new treatments that are promising. Um, Even if the tumor is not operable, she has a real chance. And Buffy's like, what's the chance? And the doctor says, nearly one out of three patients with this condition do just fine. And I was like, wow, thanks, Dr. Downer. Like, what the fuck? I like that you named him this, right? Because we've got chatty doctor, (laughs) angry doctor, uh, my responsibility doctor, intern doctor, and now we have downer doctor. (laughs) The downer doctor is like, (laughs) it's like Debbie Downer, right? So your mother has a brain tumor. They they bring him in when they want to deliver bad news because he's already such a downer. It's just like, well, you're going to be depressed anyway. This is all he's good at. This is a very promising brain tumor. One out of three survive. (laughs) What the hell? <laughs> the operation has a nearly 10% success rate. It's marvelous. It's so much better than 9%. <laughs> so uh, Buffy is shook by this information because he sucks at delivering stuff. And Dr. Downer's like <laughs> asking her questions about insurance and Joyce's lifestyle at home. And do you live next to a power line? Like no one knows that shit. Um, so of course Buffy's Don't overwhelmed. All houses, aren't all houses next to power lines? I assume... But like, like the fact that he was—he's like chemical plants. Like, what chemical plants I mean, in Sunnydale? Do you remember when we thought cell phones were going to cause cancer? <laughs> they don't. 
um yeah so buffy is like overwhelmed she's like i'm sorry like i i don't i don't know i don't know and like it's so goddamn realistic so sexy ben the intern comes on over and tells the doctor he's like you need you're needing an icu and then he sits next to buffy after that dr downer leaves and he's like i thought you needed a break that guy's great but he doesn't have a bone in his head that tells him when to back off. So the intern is interfering in doctor-patient confidential conversations now. Well, yeah. That his daddy owns the hospital, so he can do whatever, <laughs> he, can do whatever he, he wants. wants. He's like, today, I'm a grief counselor. <laughs> <laughs> today, I'm just going to sit here and smolder. Yeah, and we, we're going to let him because you know what? Hot guys can do whatever the fuck they want. So, except sniff panties without permission. So, Buffy says, uh, so he's saying, like, it's a good doctor. You're, he's a good doctor. Your mom's in good hands. And Buffy's like, he was just telling me there's nothing I can do. And Ben says, I'm going to tell you the same thing. Give yourself a break. Your mom's going to be unconscious for another seven hours. <laughs> the operation takes five minutes, but <laughs> the drugs last all day. Go out, get some air, come back later this evening and talk to the doc then if you want. That's my unsolicited advice of the day. And then he goes and Buffy is just like, <sighs> so Riley comes over and she hugs him again. And she's like, it's bad. I have to go do something like, like magic, like a healing spell. And Riley starts to tell her like, Buffy, people get sick. I don't think magic can help this. But Buffy is like, your attitude's not helping. I have to try. And Riley's like, okay, he's being supportive. Yep, okay. And Buffy says, I need to go talk to Giles. Will you drop Dawn off at school? Because <laughs> I guess it's 9, 9 a.m. And tell her I'll meet her at the magic shop when school ends. And Riley's like, yep, whatever you need me to do. And what, do I, what should I tell her about your mom? And Buffy says, don't tell her anything yet. And then she goes, you know, without a thank you. And at first I was like, like, I, it's hard. Maybe we got to watch more Riley scenes before I can really come down on it. But like, I was just struggling. I was struggling with my feelings about Riley because I actually do sympathize with him here too. Because Buffy, he came to see her. He's sitting with her all day. He's going to drop her sister off. Like, I do think Buffy should say thank you. But again, I don't blame Buffy for not. She's got her head in other stuff. Her mom has a brain tumor. She has to go do something about it. Like, I get it. But, yeah, um, she's not on her best behavior here at all. Yeah. And, you know, Riley can feel the way he wants to feel about it. But I'm with you. Like, when, when your loved ones are going through something traumatic like this, you have to make allowances. And you, you can have space for your feelings, right? You can acknowledge that you're hurt, that she's not thanking you or whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that, like, she's not doing – it's not because of you, right? It's not on you that, that this is happening. It's just you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm with you. It, it's one of those sucky things about bad shit happening to people we love. <laughs> yeah. And again, like Riley's actions are absolutely correct here. His, he's, his choices where he's like, yes, whatever you need, I'll drop Dawn off. But I just can't help but think that like if Angel were still in the picture and not Riley, I do think Buffy would be leaning a lot more on Angel than she is on Riley right now. But maybe that's not a bad thing. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Angel couldn't drop Don off at school, though, because he'd burn up. So, you know, <laughs> Riley is the perfect boyfriend. Angel has a car that's draped in blankets <laughs> just for the specific reason. Um, so let's cut to Anya, who's looking at the receipts at the store. And she starts going, hey, hey, hey. And she starts freaking out. And everyone's like coming over to her. And Anya's like to Giles, you sold someone a Coles amulet and Sobakian bloodstone. Are you stupid or something? 
<laughs> and Giles says, allow me to answer that question with a firing. And Xander's like, no, no, she's kidding. And he's like, Anya, we talked about this employer-employee vocabulary no-nos. That was a number five. All right. So we've had a lot of hot stakes over the years, really. But um, we had a few people write in recently talking about Anya's uh, neurodivergent coding, the way that she might be possibly autistic um, and or ADHD. We've mentioned this on the show in the past, but you know we're, we're always happy to bring it up again here and there when people write in. And specifically in this case, right, some of you, shout out to Sarah, uh, have been criticizing Xander's attitude towards Anya, the way that he's he's patronizing her and, and he's calling her, you know, rude and crazy when in fact, you know, Anya just doesn't understand human social cues and social niceties. Um, and she hasn't really learned, you know, things like masking, uh, which and I'm not saying that's a, a desirable thing that we should ask autistic people to do. Right. But like Anya is somebody who, if we're reading her as autistic, right, she doesn't know how to fit in to non-autistic society. And Xander's treatment of her, you know, when we think about it that way, just is not very nice. I agree. I agree. But in this case, like, she's absolutely right to be mad. <laughs> oh, I, I loved when she's like, I love that she's like, are you stupid? or something? I'm like, yes, Anya. Like, yeah. and Giles should be so lucky that he has an employee who can catch these mistakes. Yes, exactly. So Anya says, you never sell these two things together. It's bad news. Like, don't you know about the so Sobakites? And Willow does. Willow's like, oh, it's an ancient Egyptian cult, heavy into dark magic. And Tara says, Cole's amulet was, wasn't that a transmogrification conduit? I don't know what transmogrification is. Transmogrification is the act of transforming one creature or entity into another. It's very similar to transfiguration. So Giles is like, that's not a, of our concern because so back in transmogrification spells were lost thousands of years ago, probably in Egypt. Besides, the young woman I sold it to would have had to have enormous power to. And Willow says, young woman? And Giles is like, dear Lord. And everyone gets it. And then Xander says, what? <laughs> so I think it's really interesting, actually. Okay. Remember in Who Are You? Tara knew immediately that Buffy wasn't Buffy. She's like, that's Faith or that's something off. Something's off here. So I do find it interesting that no bells went off at all when this glory person who's obviously very powerful walked into the shop. Well, okay. I have a thought about that, which I don't think I can fully share here without going to spoiler territory. We learn things about glory later in the season that maybe explain why, shall we say, people don't notice anything about her. Is that good enough for you, Snow? <laughs> no, but... <laughs> I think what you're asking is a really good question. Um, and I think there are reasons. Uh, we can read into it later and see how more revelations to come about Glory explain this particular aspect of how she can lay low. Well, let's get back into the day that never began. It's always permanently 8 a.m. this day because Riley is brought Dawn to like... A carnival. <laughs> it was like a, a carousel yeah, so ride. Did they skip class? 
and he got her was ice Riley cream. like you're not going to school kid yeah like oh I'm not bringing you to fucking school I'm gonna kidnap you bring you to this carousel um, and give her ice cream and I'm assuming again it's like 10 a.m. although again I don't want to take away from this very kind act obviously she's still upset about like, her mom's in surgery right now Riley's like maybe I should get her some ice cream and like let her chill out before she goes to school that's nice so um Riley's like maybe I'm not making this any better because Dawn's still upset and sitting on the you know sitting there quietly and Dawn's like no this is better and she tells a story about how when she was 10 and they were new to Sunnydale her mom had rented this carousel for Dawn and her friends but Dawn didn't have any friends I guess Melinda (laughs) I'm guessing that she just wasn't there yet so Buffy Joyce and Dawn rode the carousel all for a whole hour to get the money's worth and then she says to Riley, she's not getting better, is she? And Riley's like, absolutely she will. You Summers women are tough. No, no, Riley. This, so this is where I think Riley really makes a mistake. You can't promise this kind of stuff to a kid. You, you can't lie to her and just say like, yeah, your mom is definitely going to get better. Like, it's tough. And if he doesn't feel capable of having this conversation with her, he could put it off. But like, if you're going to answer her question, you got to be realistic. You got to be like, look. The doctors are going to do the best they can, right? Um, your sister's going to do the best she can. Your mom's going to do the best she can. Like, you can reassure Don because that's what she's really looking for. But I think it's cruel to just kind of be like, yeah, 100%, you know? Your mom's going to be better soon. Like, Cara, you are definitely more of a Dr. Downer than a Riley. You're just like, I don't know, Don. The doctor said one out of three chances of her surviving. <laughs> um. You can sugarcoat it, right? Like, But I, I don't believe in lying to children this way. I believe in lying to children. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Riley says, I, I think the first part of what Riley says is, I agree with you. No, don't tell her she's going to be fine. Don't say that. But the second half I liked where he says, you Summers women are tough. I think that, oh, that's yeah, a good that's thing to good. end with. That's a good ender. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, the delivery, the, the beginning, not so good. Dawn says, I'm really glad you're here. Buffy's glad too. And Riley's like, oh yeah? And Dawn's like, she sure cries a lot less when with you than she did with Angel. Everything with him was all like my boyfriend's a vampire, crazy, crazy. Every day was like the end of the world. She doesn't get all worked up like that over you. And that irks Riley. He's like, oh, you know, oh, really? And Don's like, I think you're really good for her. And he just kind of grins. But you could tell that bothered him. I just, yeah, I mean, (laughs) Riley's like, what do you mean I'm not a bad boy? Like, come on, Riley. You make her cry. From the moment we met you, you were Mr. Upstanding, straight shooting, cowboy, corn fed, Iowa, bread and born boy the most exciting place he'd ever been when we first met him was rugs field <laughs> he put he puts the toast in milk toast Aww. like Ew, he puts the milk this in guy milk toast. <laughs> this guy like and now he's like oh what do you mean buffy likes don it's just like you're better for buffy than angel he's taken this as an insult and it's like dude i've got i've got so many thoughts <laughs> so <laughs> so my first thought is what going on what you're saying here cara my dude again i get what you're doing here and you're trying to make don feel better but you're also this conversation has become about you and yeah, that's a good point. That's not that's not the point of why you're here. I mean, Dawn's the one that's pushing the conversation, but Dawn is a child. 
So don't be upset about what Dawn says. Just like Spike, don't be upset by what, by what Spike said earlier because they're both of these, a child and a perverted vampire, are not reliable narrators. They're not people that you should be letting feed your insecurity. And that goes to show what a low place Riley is in right now, right? So that that is the sympathetic side, but also me being like, Riley, please get a grip. My other part about this is, so what? So what? So so when Buffy was with Angel, it was the end of the world every other day. She was dealing with world-changing events because he lost his soul and he tried to end the world and they stopped an apocalypse during the Zeppo. Like, just lots of stuff happened at that time. And I don't know, Riley, like, crying does not equal a better relationship or a more passionate bond. So I think we really underestimate a level-headed love, <laughs> you know? And I've said this before with Riley and Buffy that all love is different, right? And different stages of your life, different personalities bring out different sides of people. I remember my first love when I was like really young. It's like, it's, like, it's just, it's overwhelming how much feelings you have for somebody, right? And you are a lot more emotional back when you're younger. Whereas like my, my love with my husband right now, it's solid. He doesn't make me cry. <laughs> That's what you want. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I guess I, I can bring up, I was going to wait until one more scene with Riley, but I can bring this up now. Something I realized while watching this episode is I think maybe part of the harshness of how I view Riley and I'm judging him is the fact that like Mark Lucas looks like he's 30 or so in, you know, the show, but we know Riley's in his early 20s, right? Mm -hmm. So he's actually still pretty young. I I don't I mean I was an old soul so I wasn't young in my 20s but like people in their 20s in like you were saying these kind of first serious adult relationships they screw up and they make mistakes and they make bad calls all the time so maybe I shouldn't be surprised that Riley's acting the way he does it probably is very consistent with you know a midwestern boy of his age and it's just the fact that when I look at Mark Lucas, I'm like, this is an adult man and he should know better. Mm -hmm. No, we do have to remind ourselves once in a while that they're still young and they're figuring this stuff out. But yeah, I, again, like I just, I, I, I'm flip-flopping between being annoyed with Riley and sick of his insecurities um, and his inability to talk about them with his girlfriend. But on the other hand, I'm like, this is realistic too, right? Like somebody is holding on to the crumbs of a relationship that in all honesty is coming to the end. He feels it. Buffy doesn't feel it. She's not even thinking about it, which also proves <laughs> that it's coming to an end. That's hard to deal with. But letting a child and a vampire <laughs> sway you. I mean, Buffy Buffy has not ever taken time for Riley. Yeah. yeah. Right? They came off of saving the world. And then she's like, I want to learn more about the Slayer stuff. And so it's like, train, 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 school, 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 mom, 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 dun, dun, dun. And it's like, where, where is your Riley time? You've never blocked time off for Riley. And why are you fucking surprised that he's sort like sad about it, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. I, like I said, I'm sympathetic towards Riley. I'm still very annoyed with him. It, this is also, I think, a pretty good depiction of how. Some relationships, like you said, they crumble, they fall apart because 
both parties just stop trying and then sometimes they don't even realize that they've stopped trying but it's also like events happen that are out of their control maybe if joyce hadn't gotten so sick right now maybe they could have you know found their way through this rough patch but things are happening outside of their control which basically make it much harder for them to recognize and fix the relationship because of the stress that they're under. Totally. And we keep talking about this as it goes on. The last thing I want to say about this is because now we've had a scene with Riley and Spike and Riley and Don, and they're both insinuating that Buffy isn't into Riley because he's not a vampire. And the show is seemingly trying to push this idea on us now in season five. The only vampire that Buffy's ever wanted, well, no, sorry, there's two, was Angel and then Dracula this season. Every other person, every other guy that she's been interested in has been a milk toast white dude. <laughs> so Buffy does have two types, <laughs> like a vampire and milk toast white men so riley you are <laughs> her type don't worry about it riley can we can you meet scott hope please <laughs> start a little boy band uh buffy is telling the scoobies at the magic shop about her mom and she wants to find a potion or a spell and giles says the truth is mystical and the medical aren't meant to mix buffy the human mind is very delicate too much could go wrong and tara says i've heard stories of people trying to he trying healing spells if we did something it could make things worse and anya says We've done enough of making things worse for one day, haven't we? And Bobby's like, what do you mean? And Xander is like, oh, Anya broke something. Fuck off, Xander. No, and then Giles says, Buffy doesn't hear, need to hear about your clumsiness. Both of you fuck off. Yeah, let's just continue to demonize, and I'm using that word on purpose, Anya. Like, come on, Xander. She's your girlfriend. Fucking throw under the bus. Come on. Come on. So Anya's like, my clumsiness. But then she's starting to clue in and she's like, because everyone's looking at her and she's like, ah, oh, yes, that's so like me. Slippery, slippery butterfingers. Anya, you should not be making excuses for these men. Seriously. Like Xander could have been like, oh, I fucked up. Everyone would believe immediately. Or Giles. Giles is the one Giles who fucked up, Giles is the fuck right? up. <laughs> but Xander's the one that led this to be Z Anya's issue. So... Buffy knows she says what happened and Giles says the demon woman was here the one who attacked you and Willow says she got an amulet and a bloodstone it's no biggie and Anya's like that could create a monster and Willow's like okay biggie <laughs> and Giles is like no one got hurt and Buffy's like okay that's good how did she get away with the mojo stuff and no one says anything so Anya whispers Giles sold it to her <laughs> good good <laughs> and Giles is like I didn't know it was her how could I if it's any consolation I may have overcharged her and Tara says Anya figured out what the demon lady is up to isn't that incredible Anya literally they just like fucking like threw her under the bus but Anya is the one that figures out that a few thousand years ago there was a cult called the temple of Sobek Sobekites were reptile worshippers so Sobek was in fact an Egyptian god who was depicted as having the head of a crocodile because, of course, Egyptian civilization arose along the banks of the Nile River, uh, which had crocodiles in it, and crocodiles were considered a very important animal uh, to Egyptian life. Wow. Did you go through a phase where you were obsessed with Egyptians? It's like part of grade four. Yeah. It's like part of grade four here, right? It is. Um, five. But yeah, five. I've, I mean, I've also, I've read a couple of books recently about Egyptology. You watch The Mummy, that, don't lie. <laughs> I, I subscribed. I tried out this uh, streaming service called CuriosityStream. Hashtag not sponsored. 
Um, and so I subscribed to it just to, it was like $15 for a whole year. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to give this a try. There's a whole bunch of documentaries on it and stuff and lots of like ancient Egypt documentaries. So I gave, gave it a shot. The, the variety of content on there is not great in terms of selection. So I'm not sure I would recommend it unless they want to sponsor us. Hi. Um, Hi. But yeah, it's it's cool uh, learning more about ancient Egypt. <laughs> it is cool. And the reason I know Sobek is because The Prince of Egypt was one of my favorite movies growing up. And uh, they mention him in one of the villain songs. So there it is. Xander says uh, he makes a joke about wanting there to be a cult about bunny worshippers. And Anya's like, well, great. Thank you very much for those nightmares. Xander, you should know. That bunnies are a trigger for your girlfriend. I think you're being cruel at this point. Xander, aren't there shells you need to be building or something? Or like a, a construction crew you need to go lead? Get out of here. Anya goes on. She says, the high priest call had great mystic powers. He forged an amulet with a transmogrification, uh, transmogrifying crystal. And Giles says, she's going to transmogrify a cobra. And Buffy's like, she's making a monster. What does it do? And Giles is like, we're working on that. Buffy's like, you work on it? I'll go kill it. And they're all like, no. And Xander's like, this chick creamed you last time. And Buffy says, I wasn't ready for her last time. I am now. Buffy wasn't ready for her creamy coolness. Her creamy coolness. <laughs> her terrificus. Um, <laughs> so Buffy's like, I have to do something. And she goes. And I want to register right here. How kick-ass the women of the Scooby gang are right now. Because look at this. Tara, boom, bang. Here's the theory. This girl is not new. She's not in the books. She's old as fuck. And then Anya and Willow come in with all this snake cult knowledge. Anya's the one that's like, here's what she's doing with the things that she's conjuring, with the, with this magic that she bought. Like, Giles fucked up so hard. Xander can't, like, stop talking out of his ass. So the girls of the Scooby gang, my hat's off to you. I miss Cordelia, though. Oh, my God. Cordelia would be so good in this situation. Cordelia would have noticed exactly what this woman was wearing, right? Oh, yeah. She would have commented on her outfit. Absolutely. She would have been like, weird. She was out of place. You know, she was wearing really expensive shoes for Sunnydale. Something <laughs> was off about her, Giles. <laughs> or they would have been like, oh, she's going to conjure a monster. She'd be like, yeah, but girl has taste. Something like that. So we're at the zoo, which this started giving me flashbacks to the pack right oh the hyena spirits our fave like yeah like it's it, there's strong like hyena spirit energy going on right here <laughs> snake um, energy snake energy so i guess it's after hours or something except no it's it's Don's just getting off school i do not understand the timeline here <laughs> drag um, got rid of a whole tour a bus tour <laughs> he got them out of there for the or maybe maybe they're watching right now just off camera <laughs> Right? There's the like a side. whole school tour watching Buffy beat Glory up. Anyway, so Glory grabs a cobra out of an enclosure. Uh, she says, I'm going to make you a star. And she lowers it into an urn. And then Drag starts chanting. And Glory says, Sobek, grant the power that it may mold this wretched creature, that it may be reborn, that it may serve. Dark incantations always overwritten. Why can't they just cut to the... So she's rambling at this point right because we know that she's a little bit unstable and at this point buffy kind of comes in from off uh camera and <laughs> attacks glory and interrupts glory and says fight <laughs> and so you know buffy starts beating glory up and glory's like this is unfair you were attacking when i wasn't even looking because glory can only look where the camera's looking of course 
But of course, just like last time, Glory does not take things lying down. She gains the upper hand. She starts beating Buffy back. So while she fights Buffy, she says, Drag, I'm not hearing chanting. Continue. (laughs) So Drag goes on with the spell. um, And Glory continues to beat up Buffy, (laughs) causing untold damage to the reptile house. And then she throws Buffy through a window, finally, into the snake area. The urn starts to move, and Glory turns and shouts, Arise! And we see a snake creature come out. And (laughs) immediately I'm reminded of, you know, the penis demon, Makita. (laughs) Makita. Or the mare. You know, this show seems to have something with, like, snake demon creatures, (laughs) monsters. Um, Yet we have no, like, Nagas or Lamia or anything like that on this show. So, I don't know. So, Drag's like, he has arisen. Apparently, you have to narrate the arising. Yeah, this Um, doesn't work otherwise. So, Buffy decides that she has to cut her losses and escape. So, she exits. uh, And meanwhile, Glory addresses the cobra monster. She calls it Spawn of Sobek. The power is yours to see what is unseen, to find what is shrouded in shadow. Already, you know what I seek. I have given you form. Now find me. The key! Seek it out in the holy places. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Let your vision guide you to its hiding place and then return to me and tell me where it lies. And the snake's just like, she's like reaching out and like touching or almost touching, you know, its hooded face and stuff. And the snake's just staring at her, kind of like swaying and just kind of like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's like he's waiting for something, and she's like, now would be good. (laughs) And the snake apparently understands that she's impatient, finally, and turns, and, and, like, it slithers out, and it's just really bad CGI. (laughs) It's just terrible. Uh, That's why I want to play Kill Fuck Mary, the Sobek snake, the mayor, (laughs) and um, Makita. So I'm going to put that poll on Instagram, and everyone can play Kill Fuck Mary. Giles was helping a customer when Riley comes in and Giles says Buffy left a while ago and Riley's like where and Xander's like um she went after the monster and Riley's like you let Buffy go after her alone and Giles is like let isn't really a factor when she puts her mind to something and I was like yeah Riley you've proven yourself many times in this very episode that you can't stop her from doing shit so why did you think Giles and Xander who are both useless in this episode would be able to do any different Riley says to Xander, like, she'll get herself killed. It's crazy. And Xander's like, yeah, crazy. Like, going off alone, half-cocked, instead of waiting for some uh, some much-needed backup. Charging in with a big old hand grenade. Oh, wait! And Riley's like, this is different. And Xander's like, yeah, it is. Buffy needs something she can fight, something she can solve. And I will stop here and say, Xander understands Buffy. I like that he kind of says, like, this is she went to go do that because she needs to go do something. And we've talked a little bit this season about how Xander has been proving himself a good friend to her the last couple episodes. So this this is consistency with that. But then he says, I don't know what kind of action you're looking for, do you? And Riley's really uncomfortable because Xander's kind of calling him out. And Xander asks him if he's okay. And Riley's like, just a little crazed. He goes to leave and he's like, if she needs me, but he doesn't finish that sentence because he knows she doesn't need him. What would Xander have done if he'd walked in on Spike? Great question. Probably nothing because no one in the show does anything about Spike and the problem of Spike. What do you think he would have done? I think that he would have uh, got up in Spike's face a lot more than Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, and blustered at Spike. I don't think he would have like you know tried to stake Spike or anything. 
but I, I think he would have become more indignant because he's been there. He was into Buffy, you know, when he was younger, he watched Buffy change. So I think he'd see the uh, salacious part of his personality and his old obsession with Buffy in Spy. Oh, you think he learned from when he peeped at her in the mirror in season, in season one? I think it's safe to say that at least when it comes to his obsession with Buffy, Xander has grown as a person, right? Yeah. Or maybe they would share tips on how to put up cameras <laughs> oh. in Buffy's room. <laughs> oh, you had to ruin it. I was being so charitable to Xander there. <laughs> I like to put it right by the window because sometimes you see Angel jumping out head first. <laughs> Huh. 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 Uh, so okay we cut to the church this, this is a church and the snake is just such a random scene snipping around the church looking for was shit was dawn there like <laughs> no i guess because she because she had said like seek out the holy places first so oh. i guess he's going to like synagogues like, and churches go to church and- now <laughs> <laughs> the snake had to go do a few prayers. Nobody was there. <laughs> he went to go pray for help. Uh, Buffy calls Giles from the hospital. She went there to get ice packs for herself. She's like, the snake is loose. It's not made. It's not mayor big, but it's pretty lethal looking. And Giles is like, okay, I'll warn the others. And Buffy's like, Dawn's on her way to you now. And Giles. She understood. said it was Makita sized. <laughs> yeah. But Giles never saw Makita. No, he did. He did see Makita. She was like, this one has a much bigger mouth to have swallowed us, though. Remember you and I were like, Makita, how are you going to eat these three girls? You have a tiny little mouth. It's not the uh, only tiny thing he had. <laughs> so um, Giles understands why Buffy's bringing up Dawn. He's like, we'll keep her safe until you get here. And Buffy's like, Dawn's really fragile right now. Giles like, we won't say a word to her about your mom. And um, Buffy's going to stay at the hospital and wait for Joyce to wake up. And Giles gives her some comforting words, right? He's like, there's nothing more you can do. So we, we see Buffy. We get a little, a little montage here. Buffy is sadly at the hospital waiting for her mom to wake up a sad shot of dawn at doing her homework at the magic shop sad shot of joyce being awake and dr downer telling her about her illness and joyce oh like hats off to um christine sutherland because the way she takes in the information and it looks like she's gonna break down but then she sees buffy beside her and she smiles it's like she gets her her strength from buffy you know oh and then shot to Riley at Willie's bar without Willie. And Sandy, everyone, the most popular character in the Buffyverse, Sandy, shows up again, the vampire. And um, Riley looks at her and they go out to the alleyway. And hey, we're like, maybe he's going to bone her. Maybe he's going to cheat on Buffy with her. But instead, he like, li- he like you know, exposes his neck to her and she starts to drink from him. And then he stakes her and she dusts. Not sexy. Not sexy because also because Riley has this like tense look on his face. <laughs> but so you're saying this is a parallel to cheating. Is this not cheating? Is this not bite sex? I don't know. I haven't like you see me take that in for a second. I was like, I don't know. Um, what is what what is Sandy not doing that Angel or Dracula did to Buffy? It's true. I mean, Riley's consenting to. He's this. letting her have bite sex with him. So therefore, he's cheating on Buffy right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I take your point. That is, I mean, I was saying the cheating parallel is like guys feeling low and insecure as he goes to the bar, hooks up with a girl, right? Uh, but right. for sure, like you're literally 
the bite sex could be considered the cheat, right? right. But not sexy, <laughs> which I think is what I'm testing these days. Well, and then he like stakes her right after. Rude. Which is rude. Rude. Didn't right? even give her a turn. Like, you know, like Sandy's apparently doing you a favor i don't know what's going on <laughs> i i don't i don't understand what riley's doing here i understand what we're supposed to think right i understand we're supposed to think like riley is just so low in this moment he's so alone and poor buffy's not paying attention to him so he's <sighs> he's gonna go and do something he regrets i get it but it's just like she's a vampire dude <sighs> It makes him feel dangerous, right? Because, oh. Oh, my God. Like, that vampire that was sniffing my girlfriend's panties told me that Buffy really likes vampires. And then her little child sister was saying that I don't make her sad. Like, the vampire she dated at one time. skydiving or something, Riley. (laughs) And also, like, um, we thought Sandy was dead before. And we got (laughs) flooded with people telling us she ain't dead people is she dead now justice for sandy is, is sandy is this truly the end for sandy or is she gonna pop up two seasons from now again <laughs> so yeah riley i mean i said this back in uh, during the notorious cheating scandal of 1999 when um z- when xander and willow were carrying on and i told you then cara i have very little patience for cheating <laughs> so now that i've pointed it out to you right yeah you know, I mean, at first I was like, it's a metaphor for cheating. No, this is cheating for sure. Fuck you, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I finally persuaded you. Buffy would have bit you had you asked. <laughs> <laughs> we know Buffy's into the bite sex. <laughs> but only with vampires that make her cry. So oh, we dear. cut. <laughs> the, the snake demon is now sniffing around the carousel. <laughs> He's on to Dawn. He's on. He knows. And at the magic box, uh, Buffy enters and all the Scoobies are there. Dawn hugs her and Buffy. Dawn's like, can mom come home now? And Buffy's like, we'll see. Go get your stuff. And it's very sad. And um, they're j- the Scoobies are just telling Buffy that they haven't seen the snake. And then it just bursts through <laughs> the store window and knocks the shells over onto Buffy. That one's situational irony. Not dramatic irony. <laughs> Dawn screams her head off. The the snake like hears this. It's like that's the key. And then turns. The snake screams back. It's like ah. <laughs> I didn't know anyone was gonna be in here. The carousel was empty. The churches were empty. I thought this would be empty too. <laughs> I have no idea that you guys poor, would be here. Poor snake is agoraphobic. <laughs> He's literally like, what the fuck are you doing here? Oh, shit, it's the key. What what are those things attached to you? Legs? Okay, can I just say justice for the snake? Because we know that Glory told him to go look for the key. But what if he was just enjoying a nice sightseeing tour of Sunnydale? Well, (laughs) nobody asked for the snake's consent to be turned into this demon creature, right? Yeah. It was minding its business in the House of Reptiles. Yes. Right? Cold-blooded... Uh, ectothermic creature probably just feeling a little lazy just kind of like lying around you know it probably had a snack three days ago and then this rando blonde woman shows up picks him up puts him in an urn and then turns him into this gigantic anthropomorphic demon creature and gives him a job to do that he's gonna get killed for like I feel bad for this snake it was just minding its own business this snake is a parallel to Buffy being a slayer. 
<laughs> taking against her will. That wasn't supposed to be her life, but this is the snake's destiny now. And the snake was just trying to enjoy one last afternoon to itself. Do you want to before... want, want take a longer hit out of your bong first before and then say that against him? <laughs> I'm not wrong. The way you just described that is exactly what happens to the slayers. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so Dawn scares the poor snake. The snake goes to leave. And also, <laughs> I was like, rude of it to just like bust through Giles's window and cause us mayhem. We thought that only happened at his apartment. <laughs> but turns out it happens at his store too. And he also knocked over Xander's shelves that he worked so hard on. Willow's like, why did the big snake, why was it afraid of Dawn? And Buffy says to Giles, it knows. And then she runs after it. And I was like, does it know Buffy or is it just scared? <laughs> And you're just chasing it now. <laughs> so Buffy runs after it. Um, Giles gets in his car, picks her up. And this is such a funny chase scene. The snake's like winding down Sunnydale streets and alleyways. And they're just chasing it in the car. <laughs> Bright red car. She runs into some boxes in an alleyway yeah. and then backs it up. Buffy could probably run faster at this point. It's such an, it's such, the streets in Sunnydale are so interesting to me. Just the way that they're so small and deserted. Yeah, and like I mean, we always know Sunnydale's just made up of a bunch of warehouses and alleyways. Um, but it, but at first, the snake flies down like the main strip, and you think people that were involved in the high school graduation scandal of 1999 would get PTSD from seeing another snake There's loose like a in si- the street. There are just signs that's, that have that have a human snake with like a a, a crossed out figure, right? Like no human snakes. <laughs> Not oh, wow. again. <laughs> Where is Mark, the message board guy, to capitalize on this? He could sell, like, uh, anti-venom or something. God, I've never felt more bad for a reptile before, but this snake is literally just trying to escape. It's trying to do a good job, too. So Yeah. So at her apartment, um, Glory is literally freaking out. She's throwing she's throwing shopping her shopping boxes at Dreg, who's like, please, mistress, oh, please, perturbed yet ultimately merciful one, please, no. <laughs> that that's the closest she can get to being like, oh God, stop. <laughs> and she's so pissed. She's like, Snakey Wakey's taking too long. Why isn't he back here with my beautiful message for me? And Dreg's like, I grovel like a bug, most silky and effervescent glorificus. Glory, your most fresh and cleanliness. It's just a matter of time. And Glory's like, everything takes time. What about my time? Does anyone appreciate that I'm on a schedule here? Tick tock, Dreg. Tick freaking talk. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> um, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was expecting you to laugh that hard at that one. Um, <laughs> it's so interesting to me. So Glory's revealing something here, right? She's on a schedule. Mm-hmm. Schedule for what? Is it like the mayor with his ascension, or does is there a prophecy like the master? Like what's going on here? Yeah, she's also super fresh, clean, and silky. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. So meanwhile, the chase is still on. The snake cuts through a, a fence to get into a park. Giles drives past, and then we hear the foley of car uh, tires squeaking as he throws it into reverse, and then Buffy jumps out of the car. She's poised to jump out, and then the car squeals away, and uh, it's just the sound effects are so obviously dubbed over. And so Buffy runs down through the park. Uh, As she passes some chain from a fallen signpost, she uh, grabs the chain to use as a weapon, which... She's so resourceful. I love how Buffy always finds elements of her environment to Mm -hmm. use when she's fighting creatures. I think that's great. 
Uh, so she finally catches up to the snake. She like jumps like three meters <laughs> to land on it. And then she uh, chokes it out with the chain. Um, and so she strangles it and she thinks it's dead. Uh, but actually, the snake was faking it because this Psych. is a clever snake. It's a clever cobra. Uh, clever spawn of Sobek. Good spawn of Sobek. Cobra was trying to get to the bushes to hide as any snake would. And she just comes here and chokes it to death. But you're right. He tricked her. He was like, I'm going to fake well, death. And, fake and you, know, you notice that it actually hasn't fought her yet, right? Maybe the snake's a pacifist. Maybe it just wants to get back to glory. It's not going <laughs> to fight or hurt Buffy. Don scared it. <laughs> Trying to get away. Who's more scared of us than we are of it? I know. Uh, so Buffy does eventually take it out, um, but she doesn't stop. She just keeps punching it and punching it and punching it because she has all of this rage over what's happening to her mom and she can't fix it. She can't fix her mom. Work it out, Buffy. Work it out, girl. She has all this power as a slayer and all she is good for is killing, which goes back to earlier within the start of the season, right? She can't heal. She can't fix things. So all she can do is take out her anger and her wrath at the injustice of the universe on this creature who does not deserve it. <laughs> this poor cobra who earlier today was being enjoyed by children looking at it through like, the glass. I'm going to eat a mouse. To- Wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? What is going on? <laughs> what did all the other snakes think in the reptile house? Were they like... Wow, like, what happened to Ken? They're like, this is worse than the hyena massacre of 1997. (laughs) We all said it wouldn't happen to us. We're like, no, that is a mammal thing. We are reptiles. We are above it. We are not. (laughs) That's a mammal thing. <laughs> Such a mammal uh, problem, you know. First, first they came for the hyenas, and I said nothing because I wasn't a hyena. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens. You, that's why you got to stick up with your other zoo animals. Okay, don't say nothing. Don't <gasps> oh turn your God. head. It could be you one day. Uh, can somebody please write a Sunnydale zoo animal fanfic, like from the point of view of the zoo animals? <laughs> oh Dying. God. Oh, we're okay. We're losing it because it's some silliness. Kate, what I will say though, what I will say, this is the fucking funniest shot when the camera pans up and you see Buffy just punching this rubber puppet. <laughs> it's really funny to look at. Um, and Glorificus is looking out of her window and she, the snake never comes, so she's pissed. I wonder if Drag survived this. But uh, clearly, the park was like just outside wherever she's staying. So the snake got really close to getting back to her. The last scene of the episode is uh, the hospital. Joyce is telling Buffy, um, who looks super tired. Um, he, she's like, Buffy, I, I want to talk to Don alone. And she's like, do I bedhead? Like, you know, is my hair scary? Do I look like a scary mom? And Buffy's like, you look beautiful. <laughs> oh, God. Which, like, she does, right? Like, uh, Joyce looks amazing for somebody who's been in a hospital for, like, a day now. Who's had, like, two brain surgeries today. <laughs> Um, Joy smiles at her and they stare at each other for a while. And again, I just feel like she looks at Buffy and she just gets strength from Buffy. She's like, <sighs> and then um, she's like, let's do this. Okay, stay close. <laughs> oh, it's so sad, Kara. So so Buffy opens the door. Dawn comes in and she crawls into bed with her mom. And Buffy watches them from, a, from the door, um, watches them cuddle. And then she hears Buffy behind her. So she turns. It's Riley. He's wearing an army turtleneck. Ooh, always be suspicious of turtlenecks because that's what cheaters wear. Wait, he's not wearing a fashionable scarf? <laughs> yeah, actually, 
<laughs> you know imagine? what? In terms of cheating, if we're if, if this is the second instance of bite sex cheating that we've seen this season, and Riley's covering up much better than Buffy did. So, <laughs> oh, that means we have to think about yeah, was Dracula cheating? Was was her time with Dracula? Oh, no. It- it was, was it was coerced. yes it was technically yes. cheated yeah but she was under the influence right like he was using her her his um hypno power he so. gave her a bunch of mike's hard lemonades uh, and she she lost her inhibitions <laughs> i i mean i do we not discuss how that was rape earlier yes 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 i was saying yeah. this is rapey this is rapey it's hot but rapey no it's not <laughs> Agree to disagree. Can we not reopen this one? <laughs> this will never end, this conversation. Until we're done this show, it'll never end. Is this what breaks us up? <laughs> I, I, If we had to break up, I would love for it to be over bite sex. Is it cheating? Is it hot? These kind of questions are what I would love for us to fight about. So Buffy hugs Riley, right? And there's tears in her eyes. And, and while she's hugging him, he's saying, it's okay. Just let it out. I'm right here. And Buffy pulls away from him and she's like, I can't, not now. They need me. You're physically there, Riley, but you're emotionally distant. I think we all know this. Yeah. And Buffy says, if I start now, I won't be able to stop. And Riley reaches for her face again, but Joyce calls for Buffy. So Buffy turns, leaves his arm hanging there. And she enters the room and closes the door. And Riley's left standing out in the hallway all alone. So... We are meant with this shot, again, to feel sympathy for Riley. Like, uh, this is the second time this season where he, like, he's reaching out for her, but she goes. But she's going to tend to her mother, who has brain cancer. So I cannot feel bad for Riley in this scene for being left alone in the hallway. Especially after he cheated on her just now. So again, it's not about you, Riley. Buffy's mother called for her after telling her little sister that she has brain a brain tumor. Let her go. <laughs> Let her go into the room and have private time with her family. Yeah, I, I think that the show is working really hard trying to convince us that we should feel sorry for for Riley in this moment. And maybe this is Joss Whedon being like, oh, you know, you got you to gotta forgive cheaters. Um, but... I can't. I can't. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't. I, I am totally willing to see the sympathetic readings of Riley here. I, I yeah. can feel sympathy for Riley. But I do to an extent. Some of yeah. his, yeah, some of his actions here are inexcusable. And yeah, you can be annoyed or feel sad or let down that Buffy's not inviting you into her mom's hospital room. And it's like, you know, the family is closing ranks. But also, like, none of this should be a surprise. Buffy has always been this way. She's never been open with you in this way. And and some people just aren't, right? Like, I think, you know, we have to manage our expectations when it comes to our loved ones. And some people are not emotionally open or affectionate in certain ways, whether it's physical or, you know, emotional or, or how they, they, they do things. And I think Buffy should understand. Sorry, not Buffy. I think Riley should understand at this point what Buffy's like. Even if she was different with Angel, that doesn't matter because you will be different with different people throughout your life. Yes. So, you know, Riley has had a year now to get to know Buffy, to get to know what she's like. And yes, these are extreme circumstances, but he's he should have a pretty good mental model of her. He is, I want to say intentionally, I don't know if it's conscious or unconsciously, but he, he's disregarding that model. He is pretending 
that Buffy should be different from who she is. And he's allowed to be unhappy with her. But the fact that he's acting as if it's shocking, he's acting as if she's letting him down, as if she promised to be different, right? And now she's not living up to that promise. It's like, no, like none of what Buffy's doing here should shock you or surprise you, my dude. She's not intentionally hurting him. He's acting like they've had a whole conversation about how he's unhappy with their relationship yes. and she needs to change. And she said, yes, you're right. I'm going to change and I'm going to do better. Right. He And now she's not. He's acting wounded as if he sat her down and said, I'm unhappy because I feel like I'm not a priority to you. And it's true because Buffy's t- priorities right now, her mom, Dawn, this wild snake that she had to go beat up glory like she's got like 10 things on her plate riley is not a priority to her that's true but riley has to tell her that so the fact that he's acting so wounded and hurt and he's cheating because he's feeling isolated and and insecure about his relationship well riley you have not talked to her about it and earlier we said he's not bringing stuff up with her because maybe he knows that she's overwhelmed with her mother right now but Buffy is not a malicious person. Buffy is not somebody who will lash out at you and be like, this isn't worth my time. If you sat her down and said, I actually, I know you're going through a lot, but I just want to say like, I don't know, I'm not feeling like I'm being there for you the way you need me and vice versa. Like I'm sure she'd be open well, to the conversation. And, and, you know, we were, we were giving Riley cookies earlier for saying oh, he's doing all the right things, right? Mm-hmm. He's supporting her he, he's doing things that she asks him to do without question being nice to dawn right even just earlier in the scene he's like i'm here for you right i'm here yeah um and yes those are all good things that is the bare fucking minimum mm-hmm. and i think we have to be careful not to give men cookies for doing the bare minimum because this is the tragedy of toxic masculinity right it is riley should be doing more than the minimum all these things we're criticizing him for, right? He should be a better man. He's not. And in many ways, that is not just his fault, but the fault of our society for the way we raised him. But like, he, this is a, an unfortunate pattern in our society when it comes to men in relationships with women is women are expected to do a lot more of this like emotional Support Emotional labor. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's really tough because not only is Buffy having to hold things down for her mom and Dawn, but now she has to handhold Riley's hurt feelings about not being a part of things. And I just, I can't help but feel like, well, if situations were reversed, right? If Riley's parent got sick and Riley was taking care of things, you know, like Buffy would be there for him. Like Buffy's, if Buffy were trying to be there for him the way that Riley's trying to be there for Buffy, like Riley would be eating it all up. And maybe that's part of the reason why he's so disturbed by how Buffy's treating him. But like Riley would accept all her help, right? Except I don't think Riley would be doing what Buffy's doing here because it would be another female family member helping out Riley's parent and not Riley. And let's not get too hasty because Riley, last time he was in distress and Buffy was trying to find him, he went and hid in a cave. So, (laughs) you know. um, Riley would like lie and be like, yeah, my parents aren't sick. What are you talking about? (laughs) And just just the way that you're, you're right, like society coddles men and also teaches men that like talking about your feelings, you big masculine man, bringing up your issues and communicating with the people you love about what you're going through. That's not okay. That makes you 
gay you know like that that, that makes yeah. you weak um so he's not doing it and then instead he goes and cheats and that's a common thing that happens as well right like i don't know where to put my emotions i'm gonna you do it physically with somebody else yeah i just i think uh you know because we talk a lot about how this show can be very influential to its young viewers, its teenage and young adult viewers, especially the young women watching the show. Um, and so it's very important to me that we critique uh, the toxic relationship shit that we see. And this is part of it where it's like, yeah, is Riley a good man? I don't know. Is Riley good for Buffy? He was sometimes, but mm. like in this moment, is he doing the right things? Some, Somewhat, but he is also still being toxic. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think like when I said earlier moment by moment things change right what you need um the fact that he was giving her what she needed in certain moments and not telling her what was bothering him at certain moments i was like yep that makes sense but now that we've watched the whole episode and we've talked about it i realized i was like no he should have brought this up much sooner if not at the beginning of the episode like a couple episodes ago back in the yokel factor perhaps because now he's cheated right it's it's all leading up to this decision that he's made that seals the deal like that seals the envelope on their breakup paper. <laughs> and you he know? still hasn't told her about Spike. Oh, I know. So, I mean, she's distracted <sighs> right now. Maybe next episode he'll sit her down and be like, hi, <laughs> lots of stuff going on with me. You want to hear about it? <laughs> Who is your hero? I chose the women of this episode. Joyce, what a, what a fucking heart-wrenching performance christine gave us this episode um buffy for being strong for her family dawn for screaming and scaring that snake and all the scooby women for solving the puzzles and cleaning up after (laughs) these men's mistakes yeah that's really good um yeah if we were giving like awards i'd give an award to christine sutherland for her acting and sarah michelle geller absolutely i i am tempted to agree with you but just for the sake of kind of differentiating uh, I, I will keep it narrow and I'll say my heroes are Tara and Anya in this episode for the research and the leads and standing up for like, are you stupid, Giles? <laughs> and shout out to the poor snake that lost his life this episode, gone too soon. <laughs> Praise Moloch. Praise Moloch. Praise Sobek. <laughs> All right. Um, so we've got a couple. We're, we're going to do kind of a general kind of mailbag here. We've got one concrete hot stake, and then we're going to talk about. Uh, we got a little bit of overlapping mail from a few listeners here. So the first one it comes from Stacy, who wants to talk about uh, the replacement. Stacy wanted to say that she disagrees with how we discussed Xander and Anya's discussion in the apartment when. Um, she kind of lashed out at him. Um, she says that Anya stormed out and had to go, um, had a go at Xander in front of his friends and a, and a professional when he expressed genuine and understandable concern about his finances. I didn't find Anya's reaction to be particularly nice or useful and really served to shame Xander for the lack of his lack of money and in his inability to move out of the basement, especially considering Anya actually has her own flat. While I get it was necessary to push the plot, I think we should hold Anya accountable. I don't think she was being particularly good or supportive partner in that scene. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, sometimes Anya be like that, you know? <laughs> Uh, so our other hot stakes are from our mailbag just generally. Uh, let's go to Sunnydale Hospital, Steph. So a few episodes ago, we were talking about, you know, ha- what can happen 
um, in terms of doctors. And I asked you if you were an expert because you watched Grey's Anatomy and we we're talking <laughs> about like the, the order of being a doctor. Um, so a few people talked to us about, you know, it, it, we were correct, right? It goes like intern and then resident and then fellow. Um, and somebody else mentioned you could be an attending doctor. So that's cool. <laughs> um, also, one of our, our listeners wrote in about the use of stethoscopes and said that apparently um, you can have disposable stethoscopes. And it was very common after the start of this pandemic, but even you know back during the early 2000s, I guess. Um, so shout out to Patricia for sharing that little tidbit. Uh, Patricia works in a hospital and would know. So thank you for that. Uh, and then we had a couple of people write in about the use of restraints. because We talked about that with... Um, the, the poor, underpaid security guard driven insane by whatever glory did to him and how Buffy had to help restrain him before he could get strapped in the bed. And we were somewhat critical of, of this the, the restraining activity. Uh, and a couple of people wrote in, uh, including Jordan and Joe, thank you, talking about how, yes, you can use physical restraints and also chemical restraints, i.e. sedation, and that it is a fairly common practice uh, for patients who could be a danger to themselves or others. So thank you for, for sharing that with us. Um, when I see that stuff, I just tend to get super critical right away because of our society's poor track record when it comes to treating people with mental illness. And also, I know at least here in Thunder Bay, uh, there's been a lot of incidents where police have been called in to deal with uh, indigenous people in particular and have used excessive force uh, in hospital situations. And so I think maybe I'm just quite sensitive to seeing these things depicted on screen because it's just, it's uh, uh, it, it can be very difficult. Um, but yeah, the, the safety of, of healthcare workers is important. Uh, and of course, uh, the people who wrote in pointed out that the most unrealistic thing about this was Buffy being allowed to help like that. I love when the medical community comes to help us understand. <laughs> I love, yeah, I just love yeah. that we have such a diverse listener base and everybody can write in with their expertise. And you never know, listener, one day it might be you and you'll hear us say something, either we're wrong or <laughs> you need to fill us in or elaborate or tell us we're right. And you'll be like, finally. It is my time, my obscure knowledge of 16th century cartography. It's now. My time at last. If you like, I bet, <laughs> I bet snake experts are going to come in and tell us <laughs> how we got the zoo snake lifestyle wrong <laughs> in this episode. Please do. <laughs> Please do um, all right. So yeah, no, no new regular episodes for a few weeks. We're sorry, but we're just going to take a little bit of time off to relax. But like we said, some bonus episodes um social media stuff and who knows who knows what else might be happening who can teasing say? it a little bit <laughs> well but yeah we'll see you guys in the new year we'll miss you thank you so much to our buy me a coffee supporters especially our chosen ones emma taza kyle destiny erica allison jace Haley, and tasha Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Brady, Jordan, Lena, Julian, Nicola, and Luis. Happy holidays, everyone. We will see you in 2023. Ooh. Bye. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. Also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Can't wait to hear from you. Praise Malik. See you next week.